Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. It's good to be together. This is our final morning on our advanced series. We've been looking through Matthew's gospel a little bit. We arrived in chapter 13, I don't know how many weeks ago, but there's seven parables in this chapter that um, we've been unpacking. And this morning, I'm going to unpack the last of those. It's a very, very daunting parable, the last one. You'll remember in the context of last week, maybe that when you hit verse 36 in chapter 13, what happens is Jesus actually withdraws inside from the crowd and he takes his disciples. And he has three parables that he wants to stress the importance to his followers, not to the many, not to the crowd. He has told the other parables to all the crowds that have followed, but now he withdraws and he tells the parable of the pearl, the parable of the treasure, and this parable of the net to his disciples. And at the end of this today, we'll see how he wants to stress the importance of their grasp that which we look at um, as we come to the end of that this morning. All right. So um, we, we talked about the context of this. And the context is that Jesus has called his 12 disciples. He is now training them. The Sermon of the Mount is over. 12 disciples are called. He's now training these men um, for kingdom living, what this new kingdom really looks like. And, um, and so today we're going to unpack this one called the parable of the net. Of all the parables had been given to the disciples, I'm sure um, this is the one that they could relate to the most because it was a fishing story. And many of them were from that background and from that industry. I've never been much of a fisherman myself. Uh, I think growing up on the south shores of Loch Day, Loch Day and watching my dad eat eels all the time and, and the smell of them in the house when my mom would fry them and cook them, I think put me off fish for life. Um, but uh, anyway, I don't have much patience for it. I'm not very good at it. Um, I've tried it once or twice. And I know, I've, I know there's some people in here and some people that I am friendly with that think that because the world is two-thirds water that they should be fishing two-thirds of the time. Um, and that's for enough. But of all the things in this series that Jesus has been using, the interesting thing is he has been using like very common objects, things that people would relate to. That's what I loved about Jesus' teaching, such as seed and wheat and weeds and mustard seeds and yeast and even pearls and treasure were probably more common in those days than they were today. And he was teaching from these common things about the kingdom of God. And today he's using another very common thing that they would have known well about. He's using a net all right, and um, he's using fish, and he's talking about the end of the age. Now, the ESV Bible changes the little word end to the close, which I think does help a little bit of the analogy, because when we think of the end of the age, we think it's the end of everything, but it's just the beginning of many things, really. It's the close of an age as we know it, um, so I do think that that um, language is maybe a little bit more helpful. 
Three things that we're going to unpack today, just really very simply, is how Jesus tells the parable, how Jesus explains the parable, and then how Jesus encourages his disciples to use these parables of the kingdom to entice others into the kingdom. So let's jump right in, all right? We're in Matthew 13, 47 and 48. Um, again, we're going to go into this one first, Jesus telling the parable. But here's a, here's, a, here's a story. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. Some of your versions will call it a net. Some of it will call it a dragnet. The dragnet really is the right um, analogy of it, that was cast into the sea and gathered fish of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore and they sat down and gathered the good into containers, but threw the bad away. Um, now we know the Lord always honors the public reading of his word. And so Father, we pray that you would help us just unpack this parable today and do you honor and bring you glory for your kingdom and for your sake in Jesus' name. Of all of these parables in Matthew 13, all of them combined together give us a full sweep of what this kingdom of God really looks like. If you were to journey with us, and I hope you have through the seven parables, they will tell you how the kingdom begins, how it grows. They will tell you the various obstacles to the growth of the kingdom. It'll tell you how we should value the kingdom. We looked at that last week, and today, with the parable of the net, we come to the consummation of the kingdom at the end or at the close of the age, all right? I said, and I put a little Facebook post on yesterday, that this message is not for the faint of heart, and neither it is. It's a warning parable. God's kingdom, you see, is God's rule and reign on the earth, all right, including sin and sickness and evil. Remember the little line last week, let both grow together. So Jesus, the kingdom of God, is the rule and reign over all of those things. And the parable of the net um, tells us how at the end or at the close of the age, the wicked will be separated from the righteous and punished for their sin. And again, I say it's a warning parable. It's a, it's a clear call to all who hear not to reject the claims of Christ. It's a clear call to make sure that you make every effort today, if you're listening online or if you're in the building, that you make every effort today to enter God's kingdom while there is still time. We are living in perilous days. We're living in the days of the close of a kingdom, I believe, that with all my heart. And the signs of the times are um, definitely pointing those ways. And who would have ever dreamt that in the last two years, our, 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 our freedom and everything about us would be steered down a road on which we don't have much control. And so there's, a, 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 there's something coming. There is no doubt about that. And God's at work even amongst the darkness. Yeah. And so God even allows sin to continue in this world for now. But the final judgment is coming when God will judge all evil and sin, and those outside God's kingdom will be punished for that evil and for that sin. Now, we don't like judgment passages of Scripture, but we can't oust them out, all right? It's in the process, and we have to preach them because they remind us that we are accountable to God. We're accountable to God for our sin, for our choices, for our actions, and mostly, most of us don't really like to be accountable. We like to do what we like to do. And we may not like these passages, but they're essential passages in the canon of Scripture. 
and judgment is coming, whether we like it or whether we don't. And God in his goodness warns us about this judgment and tells us how we may escape it through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Jesus introduces this parable by telling us how the parable of the kingdom of heaven is like a, a net catching fish in a lake. And the net pictured here, as I said earlier, is a drag net. And um, it was a pretty common way of fishing in these days. It was weighted along the edges. And what would happen, they would um, drag this net, usually between two boats. Um, the weighted ends of the net would fall to the bottom or to the floor of the lake, thus trapping every fish along the way. Now, there's a similarity between this passage and Jesus' call to the disciples and Peter and Andrew, especially in Matthew 4, um, verse 19, when he said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once it says they left their nets and followed him. The difference is that in the Matthew 4 passage, Jesus was talking about evangelism. He was talking about calling people into the kingdom of God. Here in Matthew 13, he's talking about the angels gathering people for judgment. It's a daunting passage, all right? Notice that the net catches all kinds of fish, all different species, both good and bad. All are gathered in this net. And when that net comes trawling along the lake floor, then there is no picking and choosing. God is, uh, Jesus is talking about the close of the age that all persons, every person ever born will stand before him in judgment. At the end, if we have a wee bit of time, I'll, take, I'll, I'll try and tell you where this might land in the process of end times, if we have time for that. But we read about it in Revelation. We read about it in Revelation 20. It's the great white throne judgment. All right, it says, Then I saw the great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their words by the by their works, by the things which were written in the books. At the close of the age, all will appear before God for judgment. All will appear before God for judgment, both living and dead, both small and great. There will be no discriminations. There will be no exceptions. The net will gather all. The net of God's judgment will sweep the whole earth from the beginning of time, both small and great. No one will escape. The second part of the parable is similar to an earlier parable that we looked at in Matthew 13, verse 24, and that was the parable of the weeds. And in the parable of the weeds and the wheat and the weeds, Jesus spoke about good seed and bad seed. Here he's talking about good fish and bad fish. All right, in both parables, he is separating the good from the bad. Jesus said in, in verse 30, in his um, explanation of the parable of the weeds, he says, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Here in this parable is that time. That parable, this parable here is this time. He's, this is the, the net is full and the fishermen pull it up onto the shore and they sit down and they collect the good fish into baskets, into vessels or containers. All depends which version you're reading. Uh, but they throw the bad fish away. Notice that the net is not pulled in until it is 
full. And remember, this parable is talking about judgment at the close of the age. Jesus will come back when the fullness of time is completed. Jesus will come back. There's controversy over when that might be. There's controversy over pre-trib, post-trib, all those things, AML, pre-mill. There's all kinds of controversy. But this one thing you can be assured of, Jesus will return. Jesus will return. And in such an hour as you think not, the Bible says the Son of Man comes. And if ever there was a day when which I think Generally in the world, people are not expecting Jesus to return. This is it. <clears throat> now, when Jesus comes to explain the parable, he, he, it's not a real detailed explanation like we got in the parable of the sower or in the parable of the weeds. But then again, this isn't a really detailed parable either. All right, Just a simple comparing the kingdom of heaven with fishermen fishing with a net. And um, in verse Um, 49 and 50, this is what he says. He says, so it will be. This is his explanation of the parable. So it will be at the end of age, the angels will come, separate the wicked from the righteous, throw them into the fiery furnace, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is some faulty theology running about at this moment in time about a heaven and hell theology. And many people, while they believe in heaven, don't believe in hell. I think I looked up some stats that say something like 67 to 70% of people believe in heaven. Only 27% of people believe in hell. But I can tell you, when you read passages like this, I don't know what you do with them to not believe in a hell because there is a hell that is very, very real. And so what's happening here, notice Jesus is, is uh, he's specifically telling the parable about the end of the age. And this, is, again, is another similarity to the parable of the weeds. Remember, at the parable of the weeds, he said the harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels, and the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil, and they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is this day. This is this day, this parable. So while there are quite a a few similarities between the parable of the weeds and the parable of the net, the main difference between the two is where they happen in time. See, the, the parable of the weeds focuses in the coexisting now. The parable of the weeds is talking about now. Let both grow together. We're living in a world where darkness is growing. We're living in a world where the kingdom of light is growing. These two kingdoms are growing together. This is what the parable of the net is saying. But the parable, or the parable of the weeds, but the parable of the net is about the separation. It's about the end time. It's about the separation when the good will be separated from the evil, all right? And Jesus tells us at the end of the age, the angels will separate the wicked from the righteous and the wicked and the righteous, listen to me in this, are distinguished in scripture by their acceptance of Jesus Christ as savior. That is so important to grasp, all right? That is, once again, we are only accepted before God by two things, by our repentance of our sin and by our faith in Jesus Christ our repentance of our sin, and our faith in Jesus Christ. And so the wicked and the righteous here are believers and unbelievers. There's just two. There's just two. There's just heaven and hell. There's just believers and there's non-believers. 
there's, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground in this. Notice that the, the role of the angels in separating the wicked from the righteous at the end of the age. And Jesus agrees in other teachings of Matthew as well. He talks about angels quite a lot. If ever you've noticed in Matthew 24, it says he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven's to the other. And also, when he was talking and teaching about the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, he said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from goats. Notice that it is God and his angels who make the final determination of who goes where. The old brethren preachers used to say there'll be three surprises when you get to heaven. One, the people who are there that you thought wouldn't be there. People who aren't there that you thought would be there. And then they used to say, wonder of wonders, I am there. And, um, and that's true. That's true. We don't judge who are truly believers. Only God knows that. But this is a warning. This is a warning against the false confidence of those who may go to church but don't truly believe. Those who maybe said a quick prayer and thought that was the, the key to it without true repentance. And this is an urgent call for each of us. And I tell you this week, I have done this so many times. I said Lorraine last night, I think I've got saved again about six times this week. Um, I, I, when Paul said to, to die daily and to work out your salvation daily, that was true for me this week because the, the urgent call for each of us is to re-examine our heart and test our faith, to make sure we've truly repented of our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. And Jesus says at the end of the age, the angels will separate the wicked from the righteous. And he says that they will throw the wicked into the fairy furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this again is the same image that we saw in the weeds. And it's a picture of everlasting pain and mourning and regret. And we find similar imagery to this at the end of the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20. It says, and death and hell, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. Now, before you get all downhearted, and there's, there's good news in this, all right? There's good news. Once again, we don't like thinking about final judgment, but we must listen to words of Jesus and the warnings in Scripture. And these are warning Scriptures. Jesus teaching about judgment in Scripture is essential. If there's no judgment, then there's no need for salvation. If there's no ju judgment, then that would mean many of the wicked in this life would get away with their wickedness. If there was no final judgment, the devil would win. If there was no final judgment, then Christ Jesus would have died in vain. But God's kingdom is a kingdom of justice. And so, yes, there is a day of judgment coming. And God himself, is, he calls himself, I love this passage. It's one of my many favorites in the scripture. But in Romans 3, 26, God calls himself the just and the justifier of those that believe. I used to baffle over that passage. I used to think, you can't, how can you be both? How can you be just and the justifier? So God is just in that he fires out the judgment for sin. That's his judgment. He's, he's just in that. But then what he does is he, he organized a plan where he would come through his son and die in the stead 
of the sinner and be the justifier as well as the just. So he would pass the sentence and he would pay the sentence. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? He would become the just where he would pass the sentence and he'd become the justifier in that he would go and stand in our place and pay the fine. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And Jesus' teaching from the parable of the net is clear. At the end of the age, the angel will separate the wicked from the, 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 the righteous. Now, this is really important. I want you to grasp this, all right? Because I, I, I saw some things in this that I don't think I've ever seen before, and I was encouraged by it. So Jesus is encouraging the disciples to teach these parables of the kingdom of others. If this doesn't entice you to evangelize, if this doesn't entice you to tell that neighbor across the way, if this doesn't entice you to tell that person uh, across the, the, the room for you at your work or at your university or wherever, I don't know what will, because the judgment is coming, and if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they will be cast into this place where there's pain and gnashing of teeth. Like, who wants to go there? So there's good news and there's bad news. Let me give you the good news. The Bible tells us clearly there's a place called heaven. And the bad news is that there's also a place called hell. But there's more good news. The good news is no one ever need to go there. Isn't that incredible? Because the gospel, which literally means good news, tells us that God wants all men, all women to go to heaven, but he has left the choice up to us. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and live. But it's a subject that has many misconceptions, misconceptions surrounding it. And in our modern world, I think a general lack of understanding about the significance of the heaven and hell theology. And so it's really important we grasp that. And yet the Bible is very clear that both these places exist, heaven and hell. And what is more, it's the ultimate destination for every person, one of these two places. No other place, just one of these two places. Heaven, if you're saved. Hell, if you're not. Heaven, if you've repented of your sin and trusted Christ as your Savior. Hell, if you haven't done that. That's just the clear teaching of the Bible. In the Chuck Swindle's, he wrote a book, um, uh, Growing Strong in the Seasons of Life, and he told a funny story about Thomas Huxley. Thomas Huxley was a sort of 19th century agnostic. He was the guy who promoted Darwinism and all that stuff and was really against Christianity. And the story goes that Huxley was in Dublin and was rushing for to catch a train, and he climbed aboard one of Dublin's famous horse-drawn taxis, and he said to the driver, hurry up, I'm late, go fast, as fast as you can. And uh, off they went at a furious pace, and Huxley sat back in his seat, closed his eyes. And after a while, he opened his eyes and noticed, as he looked out the window, they were going the wrong direction. And realizing that he hadn't told the driver where to take him, he called out, and he said, Do you know where you're going? And the driver said, um, No, Your Honor, but I'm driving really fast. Now, it's a good story, but it's also a good illustration of the reality of the people that live in the world today. Life is lived at a fast pace, full of activity and things, but directionless, directionless. Many people who haven't yet discovered what life is all about or where they're going. And Jesus has just shared all seven of these parables of the kingdom. And now he's encouraging his disciples to teach the parables to others because people are lost and they're heading fast in the wrong direction. 
And that's why I think Jesus closed the door and took these last three parables to the extent of really driving them home into these men. And so we first make sure that they understand the parables. Now, this is really grasp this, all right? Um, this is a little bit theological, but it's really good, I think, all right? So he says to them, have you understood all these things, Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. Now, remember this, that parables are are designed to both conceal and reveal. There's two facets to a parable, all right? The, the parables are meant to conceal the truth from those whose hearts are too hard. And the parable is also meant to reveal the truth to those whose hearts are open towards God. So a parable has a double meaning, all right? So Jesus asked the disciples if they've understood all these things, and they answer yes, and um, and um, they mightn't have understood everything at this point, but Jesus is satisfied that they've understood the main teachings about the kingdom and about the parables. And then he compares the parables of the kingdom to new treasures that an owner brings out of a storeroom along with old. Now, this is really important, all right? Therefore, he says, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of a storeroom new treasures as well as old. Now, the verse is showing the responsibility that the disciples, you and I, have concerning these parables. The focus here is on bringing new treasures out of the storeroom. You see this? New treasures out of the storeroom along with the old. In other words, both Old and New Testament are important. That's what I believe Jesus is saying. They're both the Word of God, and the older teachings about God and the kingdom are still valuable and true. Um, but now we must add to them. He said, you need to add to them these new, this new flavor, these new teachings about the kingdom. The newer teachings do not replace the old teachings. He says, rather the new teachings complete and fulfill um, the old. This is what Jesus meant when he said, do not think I came to destroy the law of the prophets. No, he said, I have come to, not to destroy them, but to fulfill them. Jesus is saying here what Moses, who was the master of the law, and Elijah, who was the, 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 the one who led the school of the prophets, he says what Moses and Elijah failed to do in their lifetime, he says, I have come to fulfill. A teacher of the law who only knows the Old Testament can only teach the law. But those who know the New Testament also teach faith in Christ and God's grace given in his son Jesus. And that's why he said, look what he does. He says, notice that Jesus puts the new treasure before the old treasure. Isn't that interesting? All right, the new comes first because we're New Testament people. And Jesus has come, so in a way we present the old in light of the new. And notice this also, that the, the owner doesn't keep it in his storeroom. It says, notice the owner doesn't keep the treasure, but brings them out for others to see. We're called to share. We're called that to, to, to give this to others. You learn about the kingdom, not just for yourself, but actually in order to share it for others. It's our mandate. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. And our call is to share this because we read this, that all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. I love this passage and is useful for teaching, for rebuking and correcting uh, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I think we don't think about those words rebuking and correcting enough. We, we want to tell people the nice things, but God's words actually used to rebuke. And if we have a strong theology in the word, we should be bringing rebuke when we think it's needed. 
Not that you become a, a sardo everywhere, but actually you bring rebuke and you start to correct. When someone says something that's stupid, you, you bring correction to it because you, you're based in the word of God. There's something about it. And so God has given you everything you need in his word to teach others about the kingdom and to reach others for Jesus Christ. And both Old and New Testament speak of the end of the age where the wicked will be punished. Jesus is coming again. When he comes, God's great dragnet will sweep through the earth and no one will escape. And all people, great and small, will stand before the throne and will be judged according to the words and the punishment for sin will be serious and severe. Those who reject Jesus will experience eternal pain, mourning and regret. And those whose names are found written in the Lamb's book of life will be saved eternally. That's the truth of this. And so it is time to make your decision. It is time to make your decision about Jesus because it's too late after you die or after Jesus returns. That's why Paul said to the church at Corinth, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now I said about time, and I do have a few minutes. I try and place this for you. Um, there's different ideas of where the great white throne judgment will land um, some Christians believe that the scriptures reveal three different judgments to come. Many people teach this. So the first judgment of uh, the sheep and the goats is found in Matthew 25. And then the second judgment of believers is often referred to as the judgment seat or the bema, the judgment seat of Christ. And it's found in 2 Corinthians 5. And this, uh, at this judgment, Christians will receive degrees of reward for their work or service to God. And then the third is the great white throne judgment that we've just talked about today. And this is the judgment of unbelievers in which they're judged according to their works and sentenced to everlasting punishment and the lake of fire. Now, the more I've studied the scriptures, and I'm not a theologian, I'm just a boy with the Bible. And I'm just a boy that fell in love with the Bible. And I've read it simply all my life. And I've tried to keep it as simple as I could and so, um, I, I, and I try to read it without preconceived ideas, which is really hard at times. So, um, and I allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me. So, uh, other Christians believe um, that these three judgments speak of the same final judgment, not three separate judgments, but the great white throne judgment is the one judgment where all of those are drafted in. And so it's one event, not three. I, I'm not dead sure which is true. Um, I'm not, not really dead sure it matters an awful lot. So um, in other words, the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20 will be a time that believers and unbelievers alike are judged and uh, whose names are not found in the book of life will be judged for their deeds and, and determine the rewards they will receive or lose. And though, or those who are found sorry, in the book of life will be judged um, to their deeds, determine the rewards they'll receive or lose, and those whose names are not found in the book of life will be judged according to their deeds and determine the degree of punishment they will receive in the lake of fire. These are end time things, and whichever view one holds of the great white throne judgment, it is important to never lose sight of the facts concerning coming judgment or judgments, all right? Jesus Christ is coming. He is coming again, and all of us will stand before him. All of us. I love, I think it's Romans 2. I think I jotted it down this morning. Um, Romans 2, 5 talks about unbelievers are stirring up wrath against themselves. And then um, 
Romans 14.10 says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and each one of us will give an account unto God for every deed done in the body. Daunting stuff, isn't it? But exciting. Exciting. You know, I, when I started to study it at the beginning of the week, I began to think, oh, this is going to be like a, everybody's going to be walking out and shedding tears. And, um, and, you know, maybe in a way it would be good to allow ourselves to examine our hearts this morning and to examine, uh, examine the true repentance of our hearts because this is coming. This is what lies ahead of us as believers. Um, heaven is our home. But here's the thing. For those of our loved ones and neighbors and work colleagues who don't know Jesus, heaven is not their home. Hell is their portion. Unless we get our skates on. The old brethren preachers used to put it this way, and I'll never forget this when a boy, I think it was Mr. Knox who was the first one I heard say it. I was just a kid, and I remember him saying, you only meet a person once, and you're responsible for their soul. Scary stuff, isn't it? When you meet a person once, then you're responsible for their soul. And so as believers, not only did Jesus tell the parable, not only did he explain the parable, he went on to theologically embed it into his disciples that they knew they had a responsibility. What they had taken in, they were to share out with the world. And if we read about the New Testament church, we know that's exactly what happened. 3,000 saved in Acts 2, 4,000 saved in Acts 4, on and on it goes. Acts 6, the church has grown so much, the deacons and elders don't even know what end of them's up. On and on it goes. It just, it just booms into life. Why? Because, because they got the mandate that the kingdom of heaven, and this was 2,000 years ago. So it just shows how important it is today. Let's bow. Pray. I hope you're challenged today and I hope if you're watching online that you're challenged and maybe if you are in the building or watching online and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, just the message of John the Baptist and Jesus are exactly the same. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. We don't talk much about repentance today. We like to cover it up. We like to think it doesn't matter and it doesn't really matter what's in your past and it doesn't really matter what you've done but it does matter to God. It matters enough for him to say, I want you to walk away from it. I want you to say sorry for it. And I want you to make sure you'll never go back to it. That's what true repentance is. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not trying to get it better today because you messed up yesterday. Repentance is turning around, putting your hand into the hands of another and walking away from that lifestyle saying, God, I'm sorry for the way I've lived. And I am accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior into my heart. Will you come in today? Will you come in to stay? Fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's where eternal security takes us hold. I believe in eternal security. I believe that once you're saved, you can't lose it. No man shall pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. No man shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. That's double security. So if you've got it, you've got it. So don't be going home trembling. If you've got it, you've got it. But if you haven't, then get it. So God, I pray today that that would be our portion. I pray that as we presented the scriptures as best we can, presented the judgment to come, um, that 
that all of us in this room and our fathers and our forefathers before them and our, the great and the small, the rich and the poor will stand before you and give an account before the eternal God in heaven. Even those who hung him on the cross, they will look at him, him whom they pierced. So God, may it be a challenge just to live for you in this day and age in which we live. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Um, I hope you are encouraged. I hope that you're challenged. And I hope that um, it inspires you just to live for Jesus. I, 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 my heart's desire is for you, for the rest of your days, to give it to him to the best of your ability. So Lord bless you. Um, I hope if you're having all your Christmas shopping done, you maybe get a wee go at it this week. And enjoy your afternoon. And we'll see you soon. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.